Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. Yeah, I know we weren't going to talk about it, but definitely too long. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'll say. Too long. Too long. Yeah. I like it. How was uh, how was your weekend? It was, uh, I mean, if I'm being honest, it was pretty boring, but it rained here all weekend, so I literally sat and watched Netflix all weekend. So it was kind of glorious. I liked it. Sometimes boring's good. That you means know, you didn't go to jail or anything. It, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting show today. This is uh, something I don't have a lot of experience in. I mean, I've, you know, just being in the auction business and I've heard people selling notes at auctions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but we've got, uh, Martin signs is going to yeah. be in the studio with us and we're going to talk about note investing, uh, how to invest in notes. I'm looking forward to the education. I think it's going to be a cool show. Um, and we should have him patched in here. Martin, are you, uh, are you with us? Yes, yes, Sean and Trina, uh, good morning to you uh, both. Uh, I'm here. Awesome. Very good. Well, thank you, first off, for joining us uh, today in the studio and and talking about node investing. We're... Uh, we're novice, so um, we're pieces <laughs> of least, yes. we're pieces of clay. So mold us as you will. But uh, tell us tell us a little bit about you before we dive into uh, to note investing. Tell us about Martin Signs. Tell us you know how you got into this, where you're from, and and uh, give us a little background on you. Sure, sure. So as it relates to note investing, I've been doing this on a full time basis since 2013. So for the past eight years. And, um, you know, I've, I've personally purchased and worked out over a thousand mortgage loans wow. and today I run a fund. It's a $50 million income fund that houses performing mortgages. And so that's kind of a little bit about, about, um, my mortgage note background prior to that. Um, I have an MBA from Drexel and a, and an MS in project management from George Washington university. I have um, uh, my wife and I founded a government contracting company. We we sold in 2013, and I've been a landlord since um, since '09. So, and I still uh, manage a portfolio of commercial and residential properties in the D.C. area. In the D.C. area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my wife, we're, my wife and I, we. Uh, we actually, along with uh, our partner, business partner, uh, relocated the company to Sarasota, Florida, as of last year. Ah, okay. But prior to that, we were in the D.C. area. That's got to be a that's got to be a different, um, you know, the climate, the surroundings, everything is. Um, I'm going to assume dramatically different than D.C. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, if you're selling to the federal government, there's no other place to be but Washington, D.C. But if you want to, uh, you know, avoid chaos and and uh, and just a highly uh, politicized uh, environment, then Sarasota is just perfect. Outstanding. Yeah, I, I love Sarasota. Had a good friend that I went to school with that um, used to have a business there, a Paris sailing business. And 
we went down and, and visited him a couple times. Did you go parasailing, Sean? I did not. I <laughs> <Okay>. did not. <laughs> I was trying to get that image in my head of you parasailing. I, I not only have that fear of heights, I have a fear of dangling up there by a cord being dragged around by a boat. So for that's not for me, but okay. the, it is for a lot of people. That's big business down there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, there's a lot of activity. Go ahead. Sorry, Martin. I was just going to say that's very popular down here. Are you close to the water? Are you on the water? I'm staring at the water as we speak. So our, our office building is across the street from the marina in, in the water. Oh, good for you. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of the perks of being down here, along mm-hmm. with no state tax. No, yeah, yeah, that, that's a huge perk. So how did you get into note investing? Um, obviously, you've got a really good pedigree um, that, that you just mentioned. Um, but uh, from that um, the government servicing company that you had, how did you get into note investing? So, so I got into it, I think, um, as it relates to pedigree, you know, I found that, that pedigree didn't put food on the table. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, biz, you know, business ownership selling to the government, although it was very lucrative, it was, uh, it was very stressful and the quality of life wasn't there. So, um, just kind of in pursuit of, of an asset class of something I could invest in that would provide me a, a quality of life, um, help me to ob- obtain freedom of time. That's how I stumbled into note investing. And since I had a real estate background, and an entrepreneurship background, it kind of helped me build a business around buying mortgages on the secondary in the secondary market and um, working with those assets. Very good. So we're going to back up and we're going to ask you about note investing, um, not just for the listeners, but for myself and, and Trina. Take us into a little bit of a, a deeper dive. What specifically, what is note investing? Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to learn more about why, because you assume when banks, you know, have mortgages, when they, they take a mortgage, they generally, they would hold on to those. Why, why would they sell those notes? And what is note investing? Just take us down that path. Sure, sure. So if you just, if you just imagine a, a, an individual or a, a couple and they're looking to purchase a home, They'll go into a bank or reach out to some lender and apply for a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And from that point, you know, that they find a house they're looking to buy. They um, they they uh, get approved through underwriting to get that mortgage loan. Then what happens is at the end of, at the at closing, they're they're going to sign a promissory note, which is going to be a promise to pay back the money borrowed from the bank. At given a certain set of terms, and they're also gonna they're also gonna sign a mortgage or deed of trust document that's gonna tie that promise to the property in terms of collateral. So what happens over the course of time is the bank or or mortgage lender some of those loans in their portfolio go into default. So the borrower stops making payments for whatever reason. Generally, it's divorce or, or um, loss of job or, or bad health. And, and so what that lending institution will do is they will bundle 
those defaulted mortgages into tranches and they'll sell them off into the secondary mortgage market space at discounts of let's say 20 to 40 cents on the dollar so if you have a mortgage loan whereby the principal balance is a hundred thousand they'll sell that mortgage in the secondary market to a hedge fund for let's say twenty thirty thousand dollars now mind you it's in a defaulted state so there's no cash flow being generated so what that hedge fund will do that's a company such as ourselves is we will make a connection with the homeowner and because we purchase that asset at such a discount we're able to provide concessions to the homeowner to help them stay in their homes with a payment plan they can afford while making a profit for ourselves so the whole objective being to convert that asset from a non-performing state into a performing state uh, you know there thereby creating a cash flowing asset so one of the questions that I would have is at at what point does a bank <clears throat> determine in default to sell that note into the secondary market versus going through the foreclosure process themselves and converting that to an REO property within the bank? So so banks generally aren't equipped to to um take back real estate. That's not what their forte is. So um, you know, you will have some banks that will hold on to that asset in a non-performing state and take it down the legal road. However, banks are not very good at taking the loans through the foreclosure process. And from a PR perspective, it's not advantageous for them to do so. So what many banks do is they may internally charge off that asset and and then, you know, have the tax benefit behind that. And then since it's it's probably kicked out of the securitized uh, portfolio on their side, then that means, you know, Fannie and Freddie aren't backing that mortgage anymore. So what they'll do is they'll just try to, to try to recoup some of their money by selling it into the secondary space. Hmm. So between what they can recoup plus uh, you said there may be a tax. They may be incentivized in, in taxes for the loss that they take also. is um, Does that generally balance out, or are they still taking a hit at the bank level? To be honest with you, um, I'm not as familiar with the internal mechanics and how that how that works at the bank level. I primarily operate in the secondary space, so I kind of I understand that. You know, uh, I understand assets that flow through the secondary space much better than, than, you know, how or why a bank goes about charging off that debt. But it would be just like um, if you have a small business and you have accounts receivable and someone's not paying you, uh, you know, eventually you may write off that that obligation um, to take a tax savings. Gotcha. Okay. well, that makes that makes sense. And now it's a little bit more clear about why properties end up in, uh, or mortgages, notes, end up in the secondary market. The one question that comes out of that, you know, and, and for our listeners, I want to make sure, um, it, it sounds like that there's there's two different things going on. Whenever you, uh, you mortgage a property or you take a mortgage, you're signing that promissory note, but then there's also the, the deed of trust or the document that's tying the property to the note as collateral. So when that property goes to the secondary market, I assume that the collateralization of that also travels with that. 
as you're getting these properties back, um, as you're getting these properties in the secondary market, they're still collateralized, even though it's under a, a deficient loan. Is that correct? Yes, 100%. So when you buy a mortgage no- loan in the secondary market, you're assuming all the rights and responsibilities of the originating lender. So if Wells Fargo originated that mortgage and they collateralized that that note with with um, with the property, then then that whole obligation transfers to the new owner. Interesting. And they're taking a discounted rate because obviously if they uh, if they kept that in-house and had to pursue it on their own, they can't do that for free. It's, it's going to cost them money to, um, to continue to try to collect on that. So they're willing to, as you said, write that off, take a lesser amount, and, and sell that on the secondary market. Yeah, and, and, there, and it's, um, it's, just, it's not that it's um, just cost prohibitive for them to do that. It's, it's not in their wheelhouse, and they have a lot more regulation that kind of hand ties them in terms of being flexible to work out terms with the homeowner. So when, when we purchase the mortgages in the secondary market, we, we're pretty much the bank at that point, and we can be as flexible because there's no securitization going on. There's no government sponsoring of the mortgage. So we have more flexibility to work out favorable terms with the homeowner to help them stay in their home. Yeah. What's generally the success rate if you if you had to put a percentage on that, Martin? What's a success rate of visiting with that homeowner, um, getting them back into a paying status at better terms in that note versus having to go through the foreclosure process or take that property back? Yeah, yeah. So in today's climate, we're about seventy eight percent. You know nice. of our portfolio will end in a loan modification. Now, a few years back, uh, you know, prior to equity spikes across the country in terms of property valuation, um, that number was more towards 65, 70%. But right now we're seeing a lot of bars being more willing and able to uh, come to terms with us um, um, because, you know, they just, they're, they're more comfortable in their homes, uh, you know, based on COVID there, there, or, you know, there's more equity, which is uh, a motivating factor for folks to work out terms with us too. What do you think stimulating that, that growth and that percentage? Um, Oh, um, I think, uh, well, the feds pumping a lot of money in last I'll checked. And, um, so there's just a lot of, a lot of, uh, free money out there circulating around. I think that's one thing, but I, I think there's also an emotional component in that, um, you know, during this pandemic, people have, um, a deeper appreciation for where they live than they did prior to people are fixing up their homes. They're staring at their lawns because they're working out of home. You know, all these things are happening. So, um, you know, people realize that they can afford to, to not go out to dinner on a Friday night or, or, or they can do without certain luxuries, but they, they definitely need a home to go home to, if you will. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. I um, read something, oh, it's been a couple weeks ago, that um, said for, you know, in, in the history of America, uh, the average consumer, the average American has more money in savings today than they've ever had historically in, in the country. Yeah. Yeah. So there, I think that's going to bode well. And, yeah, you know, people feel better to um, 
to to upgrade homes and especially if they're working out of home and they have children in the house and <laughs> you know from more separation <laughs> yes we are <laughs> <laughs> well we just went through a pretty good um I, I don't the economic downturn. I mean, business has shifted. This pandemic has been just unprecedented because mm-hmm. of uh, because it's happening today instead of back in the twenties. And you know, there's a lot more technology, a lot more business that's not um, just you know hand to hand business. It's um, it's we do a lot of things digitally or over the web. Or um, I want to talk a little bit. We're going to slip away and hear from the sponsor. When we come back, I'd like to talk about the risk involved in note investing and also economic downturns. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, when we come back. Great content with Martin. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com. The way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. And we're back in the studio with Martin Sines talking about note investing. Um, Martin, great content so yes, far for yeah. a guy that's been in the auction business for 30 years. This is highly educational for me. Thank you. Yeah, so here's here's what I, I guess, here's the next logical question because it's investing, right? How risky is it? Like what is the inherent risk? And, and kind of take us through that if we were investing uh, in notes, you know, how, how risky is the business? What is the risk? And, and so on. So, uh, you know, in terms of risk, how I kind of look at it is um, it's not it's not a place for mom and pop operations. So if you're if someone's going to make a run at being a professional node investor, they really need a whole operation that is focused on compliance, capital raising, uh, you know, asset management where you have um, you know good 
ethical practices that are that are in line with uh, federal expectations and regulations. And so, um, you know, as long as you're you're kind of building all your systems, ensuring that, you know, each of your systems are are in compliance with state and federal laws, then, um, you know, it can be very lucrative. Uh, however, uh, what I find is um, individuals come and they want to kind of make a half-hearted effort at making this a business for themselves. And that's very risky in terms of, um, you know, especially if you don't have your underwriting process honed down, uh, you know, you can get kind of burnt buying bad assets for one, but also the compliance bug can get you too if you're doing things out of compliance. Yeah. And who's the regulatory body when you say compliance? Oh, good. Uh, goodness. So the Fair Debt Collection Act, um, uh, every state has a regulatory board where they have uh, different uh, debt collectors licenses and, and um, servicing licenses and, and other requirements. So you have to be familiar on a state by state basis. Uh, you know, uh, if you're going to operate a um, you know, sizable mortgage operation. Yes, sir. So I'm going to back up just a little bit. You you gave us a ratio earlier, a percentage. I think it was maybe in the neighborhood of 75% of success rate between uh, the notes that you take it back and kind of restructuring those where you can leave families in the home. They have, you know, more favorable terms. And I assume that's 75% of those notes are successful and you've got them back in a payment strategy, Correct. Yeah, I think I think the more more um, you know notable uh, statistic is that we foreclose on properties less than two percent of the time. Okay, so that's where I'm going with that conversation. Yeah. When you foreclose on the properties, any idea what um, like a, a ballpark percentage that you can recover? I know you're obviously you're buying these at a discount, but as far as what the um, um, what the amount of the note is and what you're able to collect, you know, and here, I guess here's how I'm trying to say it. A home is maybe worth a hundred thousand dollars is what you've taken it back at. If you have to liquidate that home, what, what could you generally accept to receive? Yeah. So we, we, in most cases we're fully covered with equity. So we actually look at those metrics prior to purchase. So we look at in terms of how much of the principal balance is covered by equity, how much is legally owed on the obligation in terms of past due interest arrears and late fees, and how much of that is covered with equity. So we look at all those metrics prior to purchase, but um, also, but in a majority of the cases where we're taking back the property, unless the copper bandits have been there and completely stripped yeah. out the whole the whole joint, um, we're we're going to get back, um, you know, the full amount owed to us. Oh, very even, nice. Yeah. Even though we purchased it at a discount. So if there's a portfolio that you're looking at, uh, a bundle of, of notes, do you get to pick and choose the specific properties you want or are you required normally to take all of those that are in that basket and then you can, you know, you could obviously do your due diligence ahead of time, but do you, do you get to pick the ones that you want out of there and cherry pick them or you end up taking a, a bunch of those and then you have to sort through them. So over the past 18 months, we've purchased about $30 million in mortgages for our company. And uh, that's on the non-performing side. We also have a performing side as well. And and so what I would say to that is a majority of the 
the times these are negotiated trades where it's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. However, occasionally we were allowed to cherry pick. However, we do have to meet a, a minimum threshold in terms of purchase. And and that's related to a dollar amount, correct? Yes. Yeah, very good. Well, again, we're we're kind of probing a lot of questions here at you. We're throwing a lot of stuff at you because this is this is uncharted territory for me. I've um, I'm finding There's this stuff a, pretty intriguing. Yeah. There's an open suite below me that you guys can move <laughs> and uh, launch your note investing. And business. it faces the beach? Where? What are we doing here, Sean? <laughs> Trina's, Trina's already packing up stuff <laughs> around her right now. She's, well, no, Trina, Trina can come work out of our office. You'll have to get your own, Sean. That's, okay, um, there we go. I, I like get that. that a lot. I get <laughs> that a lot. That's, that's pretty standard around here. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about... How do economic downturns impact the business, the note uh, uh, investment business? So it's it's kind of an interesting question, and uh, I get this question a lot. And the best way to look at it is um, is in this current climate, we're receiving an unusually high number of payoffs in lucrative loan modifications because people do have money to come to the table. Yeah. They they have the ability to refinance this out because cost of capital is so cheap. Yeah. However, with that comes there's less supply in the marketplace for for uh for mortgage loan inventory and prices have increased as a result. Yeah. So it's kind of you could kind of look at this as our economic downturn now. Because what happens is when this market does get corrected, there's going to be an increased level of inventory and prices will decrease. Yeah. So our purchasing power increases with the economic downturn. I don't, <clears throat> I don't know that we're going to fall back into the, the exact same trap that um, we won't maybe replicate what happened in 2007, 2008 during the, the collapse. Um, because they, they seem to be a little bit more methodical about some of the lending practices. Um, I know the Dodd-Frank uh, Act and a few others were, you know, created to try to clean up um, some of the, um, the issues that were caused before with just way over evaluing or appreciating properties that, um, you know, and, and the loan criteria for yeah. people, credit, credit qualifications, things like that, that got very disproportionate with, um, you know, a reasonable sense of trade. But at the same token, it, uh, it looks like it's getting pretty loose right now to yeah, me. It does to yeah. me as well. They're, they're so, not, they're, they're, they're making a lot of loans. Um, uh, let's say this, it's a lot less stringent than it was three or four years ago. Yeah, they don't have the ninja loan programs like in uh, in the mid two thousands, where um, you know anybody and everybody um, couldn't get a mortgage loan. So they've tightened up the loan programs over the years, and so perhaps it won't be a, a repeat in that respect. Um, you know, however, how how is it gonna you know how is it gonna look? Um, you know, just in my little mind. It is, uh, there's going to be, you know, properties will be heated to the point where just affordability is not there. Yeah. And, um, and that's going to correct, that's going to correct itself, but it's not going to be because of bad, uh, bad loan programs done by, by, by bad banks. 
to your point. So there'll be a correction. You know, I, I think that properties, uh, there's some there's some inflation in the market right now. There'll be a correction. When that happens, what happens to the note investment business? Um, it, it seems to me like the one thing that you would tend to thrive on is inventory. And you mentioned there may be a shortage of that right now. Do you see that taking off here within the next one year, two years? I mean, what's your, what's your gut telling you, Martin? Well, you know, short, shortage of inventory is, um, it, it, it always depends on what side of the fence you're on. <clears throat> so we're, we're a hedge fund with, um, deep-rooted relationships so a lot of our trades are negotiated and and based on these relationships where we've transacted over the years so um, we're actually seeing a steady flow of inventory and what this shortage has done overall in the marketplace is it's kind of squeezed players on the retail level as well as it kind of made some of our competitors rethink their strategy or asset class purchases. So they've kind of drifted into other sectors of the marketplace, which have been very positive for us. But at the end of the day, when, you know, when, when people stop making their payments, you know, we're, we're going to see more product available to us at better pricing. Yeah. Not to put you on the spot, but I'd be curious what what are the other sectors? So, for a guy that's in your business, what what else is out there? Yeah, I mean, there's you know, it's it's a whole debt industry. So you could look at um, you know everything from credit card debt to various other unsecured debt, auto loans, uh, you know, boat loans, <laughs> business, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, contract for deeds. So so kind of non qualified mortgage paper. Uh, contract for deed paper and so yeah there's just different other markets uh, i mean look at like what could be coming about with uh, retail space yeah you know there's all this talk about um you know a lot of uh retail spaces um being going distressed right now we've noticed since covid came on that uh, the recreational markets the recreational sector that relates to boats um rvs UTVs, you know, all-terrain vehicles, ATVs, motorcycles, things like that. I have just had um, experienced astronomical sales in the last year, year and a half. Um, I personally, I ordered a brand new vehicle. Um, It's uh, it's made by Can-Am. We needed another one for the land business that we own. And I ordered that back in the 1st of January and just picked it up here a week or two ago. Yeah down in Oklahoma. So it took, uh, what was that? One, two, three, four. It took four, almost yeah. four months to get that vehicle in because of the backlog. Yeah. I was, I was at a boat show about a month ago, um, yacht shopping for you, Sean. And <laughs> uh, every boat was, uh, every boat was on back order. Yes. Yeah. I'm waiting for all the campers to stop camping so I can go <laughs> camping again. <laughs> Is what I'm waiting. Like everyone I know has an RV now, and eventually they're going to get tired of going because they don't actually like camping. It was just something to do during quarantine, and that means yeah. that I'll be able to go again because all the camping will be back open <laughs> for the oh, rest yeah. of us. There's so. going to be a disc probably, right? Yeah, when they all market. Yeah, could be a great time to I'm upgrade gonna, yeah, your camper. No joke. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Like buying a discounted note. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know if there's ever time to buy a boat. You don't know what? Say that again. I don't know if there's ever a good time to buy a boat, though. They no. say that the, the two happiest times of a boat owner is the day you buy it and the day that you sell it. Yeah. 
What's the yeah. What's the old saying? A boat is just a a vessel to pour your money into. Over the I don't know what the actual saying is. I'm sure you've heard it, Sean, as a boat owner yourself. Um, a bass boat. Yeah. I I have a bass boat. My brother, on the other hand, just traded boats. He's got a big. Uh, it's um. What do they call those? Those two hulls, not pontoon, but it's a catamaran. Oh, yeah. It's a catamaran fishing boat. Interesting. And he uh, just upgraded that. He just bought a brand new one. He has it ordered, the same scenario as we just talked about. He has that ordered and, and can't get it right now. They're having to build it for him. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is, um, you know, just like with the note industry, with the boat industry, you know, you, you, you know, people are buying overpriced boats and, and the auto mechanics are getting, the boat mechanics are getting wealthy, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other show when we start talking <laughs> about the trade industry. You know, it's interesting what's happened over the past 20 plus 30 maybe years in this country is the trade industry had been dying. Yeah. Mechanics, plumbers, mm-hmm. electricians, and now there's a huge push for that to come back. Just as uh, well, they're making a killing because there's none left to, to do the work. So <laughs> exactly, Trina cautioned you about. Sometimes this show goes in different directions, yeah. you know. But I'll I'll tell you, we sold a property, a recreational property, and it was three hundred plus thousand dollars um, to a kid that's 36, 30, I think thirty six, thirty seven years old. I said, "What do you do?" He paid cash for it, and uh, he he's a heating and air contractor. He took over his dad's yeah. heating and air business, and. Uh, he talked about, you know, instead of going to college, I decided to go to trade school, get yeah. in the family business. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, that can be very lucrative for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, um, I, I have some, uh, friends that have electrical companies and they're all doing extremely well, but yeah, they have trouble finding people cause it's just not sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Martin, we're going to slip away and we're going to hear from the sponsors one more time. When we come back, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your new book. I believe that you had a book out already. And let's talk about those books and uh, we'll um, we'll kind of wrap up here. This has been great uh, so far. Yeah. We'll be right back. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday, so register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. 
crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. Uh, so while we were on break, I was talking with Martin a little bit about um, government contracting. Mm-hmm. And this is probably going to be a little bit off topic of, of note investing, but you have a background in working with the government. We have a, a large group of uh, our listeners are auctioneers, and they're pursuing government contracts as well as traditional brokers, real estate brokers also. What are the top two or three just tips that you could give them as far as working with the government, trying to secure a contract with the government? Yeah. So I think the first thing, you know, after obviously you get registered in SAM.gov and, and, and you get, you know, recognized, you get your done in Bradstreet number and, mm-hmm. and you get kind of recognized and go through the process and actually DLA defense logistics agency um, does the background checks for, for SAM.gov. But once you get kind of set up from a, bu- a bureaucratic standpoint, uh, you know, you'll develop a capability statement, which is basically a one page flyer on your company and what you provide. And probably the best advice that I can give is to first do a um, first do some research in terms of what government facilities or military bases are in your approximate area, say within, you know, 100 mile radius of where you're at and try to reach out to some of those divisions within those local within those local uh, facilities and see if you can get some micro purchase work, which is basically credit card um, work. You know, these, these are, these are jobs that the government can give you and, and they can give you a credit card for payment. And what that will do is just build your past performance. But I, I think those are the first few steps that, that one uh, would be best served taking. And, and that's what I wrote about that. I kind of wrote about that. It was a how to book. Uh, called Secrets to Winning Government Contracts. Wow. So I think that's what I'm referring to. So that's a book that's out there now? Yeah, I wrote that book a bunch of years ago um, based on my experience to selling, uh, with selling to the federal government. You know, we had um, the Pentagon was our largest contract, and, uh, you know, we sold to the Smithsonian, and um, we just sold to government facilities across the U.S. Wow. Outstanding. What was the name of that book one more time? Secrets to Winning Government Contracts. Great. And it actually sells, that book sells better than all the notebooks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I know it's a popular subject. Well, I think you're hitting a wide audience with that book because yeah. there's a lot of different types of, of government contracts that could be sought after. And then there's also a lot of government installations across the country. So it affects a lot of people. Yeah, yeah government is the number one buyer in the world. Yep. That is interesting. While we're talking about books, let's talk about the uh, the Cashflow Dojo. I yeah. know that's a recent book that you've written, and uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so so this um, this is kind of born from from my passion of of um, just kind of building multiple streams of income in my life. Um, I view that as a requirement in today's world. Uh, you know, the the single source of income is kind of dead dual income where the husband and wife works, you know, that's kind of dead. That's not going to get someone ahead. That's going to keep someone in middle class. And so one needs to be building dozens of 
streams of income coming into their family. And, uh, and, and, and those that, that don't take that to heart um, are going to suffer financially when it comes to retirement. So that's what the book is based on. That's what um, that's why uh, we launched Bequest Funds, the income fund last year as well. It's a um, it's a passive income vehicle whereby investors it, it's in 506C Reg D fund. So it's fully set up with the SEC and investors come in and they place money there and they get an 8% or 9% preferred return paid to them monthly. Mm-hmm. So we, we like to, we like to look at ourselves as helping people invest to cover their monthly expenses and kind of live whatever lifestyle they want to live as a result. That's a great return. Yeah. 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 And this is all stemmed from, you know, us and our relationships in the secondary market, whereby we purchase reperforming mortgages. These, these mortgages that are seasoned and paying in the secondary market, we purchase them at 12 to 14% yield, which allows us to pay out an 8 or 9% yield, depending on what lockup period the investor's looking to partake in. Outstanding. Martin, this has been uh, one of the most interesting podcast shows that mm-hmm. we've had because the information is somewhat new. Uh, you're clearly a detailed guy, detail-oriented guy, because yeah. some of the some of the statistics and and just the process that you've explained here is um, has been phenomenal. We appreciate this. Yeah. Okay, Sean, you buttered me up. You can you can work it. <laughs> All right. Oh, you get you get the the downstairs office. I'll take the corner one. Sean. That's fine. Whichever one has the window over the bay, I'm good. Um, Martin, if they if they wanted to reach out to you now, I'm looking at the website up here on the big screen. I've got noteinvestingmadeeasier.com. That's note invest uh, noteinvestingmadeeasier.com. That's a good way to find you. Yeah, yeah. Or they can reach out if they have interest in learning more about passive income through the income fund. They can reach out to info at bqfunds.com and someone will send them a free ebook as a result. Oh, nice. Very good. Well, there's a free book coming your way if you reach out. These are a lot of books we're talking about. I got a lot of reading to do. <laughs> I got writer's cramp just listening to you. Oh, this has been wonderful. We appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, Martin Sines, um, note investing. So if you uh, were a little unfamiliar about note investing, this podcast will show uh, shed some light and, and kind of show you a path out there, how you can possibly get into that. Martin, we appreciate you being on the show, and we'd love to have you back in the future. Um, late, yeah, yeah, for having me. You bet, absolutely. And we'll, uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Take care. Thank you. Okay, so that was interesting. Yeah, he was a great guest. It was way over my skis, as usual, (laughs) talking about uh, that kind of note investing and anything outside of just paying my mortgage (laughs) is over my skis. But uh, very, very informative. And I think I'm going to go on and uh, get that free ebook he was Stop paying your mortgage. You may meet Martin again. (laughs) I'm not going to stop paying my mortgage. He could be uh, the next homeowner, the next note (laughs) owner. Um, very interesting though, you know, he's a guy that's highly successful government contracts built, uh, about a great business and, 
um, relocated down to Florida. Yeah. Yeah, he's got that snowbird fever. Yeah. Florida's not where I would relocate to, but yeah. <laughs> a lot of people like it. Oh, yes. It's got a whole, yeah. It's built on the snowbird mentality down there. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess that's uh, that's about a wrap. Yeah. So we'll start kind of easing out of the show as we do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I like, uh, I did enjoy that. That yeah. was highly enlightening. Ladies and gentlemen, we look forward to uh, visiting you with you next time inside the sale ring. Thank you for joining us for today's show. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesalering.com now. We appreciate your feedback and encourage you to share the show with other industry pros like yourself. Join us next time as we meet you inside the sale ring.